Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. There's one thing that's for certain, and I said this last week, that is that we're all going to finish our course one day. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We're all going to die one day if the Lord doesn't come back. We are going to finish our course. But here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in finishing with no regrets. Finishing with no regrets. In other words, I said this last week uh, that we should run with no reserve, uh, no retreat, and then there'll be a day that there'll be no regrets. I'm sure that we can all say that in our past uh, there has been regrets, but may we determine by the grace of God uh, that from now forward with His help we're going to live with no regrets in our service to God. I said this, number one, last week, that if we're going to finish with no regrets, uh, finishing well demands that we be careful uh, in what we love, that we be careful uh, in what we love. We went to 1 John chapter number 2 and really done a study on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life and how all of those things link in to not loving the world. He said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now we know that we are in the world and we're commanded to love each other. So what is he saying? He is dealing with the fleshly things of this world, and we dealt with that last week, and look at those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about tonight, number two, and uh, I, I, I hope that we'll get something out of this tonight. I hope the Lord will help you the way that he's helped me in studying this. He said, I fought a good fight. He said, I finished my course. Then he said this, I have kept the faith. Paul's saying right here, I'm finishing with no regrets. If we're going to do that, number two tonight, and this is what I want to talk to you about tonight, finishing well declares that we calculate what we might lose. That we calculate what we might lose. We have several business owners in our church and um, even those that don't own businesses that um, is high up in the companies that they work for. And one thing that um, you'll hear them talking about when they start talking about money is calculating what they're going to lose or what they might lose on a job. And, And in our life, we must take time to calculate what we might lose if we fulfill the lust of the flesh. What did he say? He said, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The reason so many people finishes with so many regrets is because they never take time to calculate what it might cost them if they do what they're thinking about doing. What are you going to lose if you decide to cheat on your wife or if you decide to cheat on your husband or if you decide to walk away from the things of God? We never really calculate 
what we might lose. You know, a lot of times a decision is made in the lust of the flesh. And because of that decision made in the lust of the flesh, there are so many families that's busted into a million pieces today and they never calculated the effect that it may have on all of them around them before they made that decision. I want to take our Bibles tonight and, and uh, I, I, I want to do a Bible study. I want to look at three different characters in the Word of God that didn't calculate what they was going to lose before they made the decision. Number one, I want you to take your Bible and uh, I, I want you to go to Acts with me tonight. Acts with me tonight, and, and we're going to use this verse just for a second. Acts chapter number 13, and, and finishing well declares that we calculate what we might lose. I'll give you three characters tonight. Number one, think about this with me. Calculate the price of losing your given family. Before we make the decision that we make, we might order calculate the price of losing our given family. The other day I was with an officer and um, we was talking and, and um, um, there was actually, uh, was headed to, um, to do some things and, and we're on live feed, and which I can't go into it anyway. And this individual started talking about, this officer I was with started talking about um, uh, the different things that so many people are involved in today. And he began to talk about how many uh, marriages are being busted up today. And here's what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, I don't want to lose my wife and my children. It's not worth me losing that for some moment of a temporal pleasure. You know what he was saying? Here's what he was saying. I'm calculating losing my given family. You might order to stop and calculate. If we're going to finish well, it declares and, and it demands that we calculate what we might lose. Well, calculate the price of losing your given family. Here's what the Bible said, Acts chapter number 13, verse number 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Did you know that in studying the word of God, you can be making your way to 2 Samuel with me, in studying the Word of God, there's nobody else in our Bible that has that said about them. Matter of fact, there's nobody else that I know of that God has ever said that about. But He said about David that He was a man after His own heart. David was probably, in my opinion, was the greatest king that Israel ever known. It's the greatest king that they ever had because he was a man after God's own heart. There was no other king had that said about him. No quote-unquote president of Israel or leader of Israel has that said about him. Whenever we begin to study David's life, boy, we find that he's got a very interesting life to study. We know of many of his accomplishments before he was king, such as him killing Goliath and such as him killing a lion and a bear and the power of God moving on him. 
Second Samuel chapter number 5, and you don't have to turn there. I, I, I'm going to be in chapter number 11 and look at some verses in just a minute. But in Second Samuel chapter number 5, he is anointed king over all of Israel, and right after that conquers Jerusalem. In chapter number 6, of Second Samuel. Now that David is king, you'll find that in studying the Word of God that for 70 years, for 70 years, the ark of God has been gone from Israel. For 70 years, that, 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 that represented the power of God or the Holy Spirit of God, it's been gone. Matter of fact, the Bible said this in 1 Chronicles 13, 3, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. The days of Saul, they was not worried about that. But you'll find out that in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, you know what David does? Here's what David does. David goes and gets the ark of God and brings it back to Israel. Now, I understand, I completely understand that he done it the wrong way in the beginning of chapter number 6 through the first 11 verses of it. But Obed-Edom took it to the house and kept it for three months. And David realized the blessings of God that was on Obed-Edom's house for those three months. And, and he goes over there and he does it right. And man, he brings the ark of God back. Boy, David is doing some great things. Matter of fact, when you study him all the way to chapter number 11, man, David, can we say it this way? David is on fire for God. David is making the right decisions. David is leading Israel right. Man, God's blessing them. David is doing great. But in chapter number 11, something happened. The Bible said this in chapter number 11 and verse number 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besought Rehoboth. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. You see, according to the word of God, David is supposed to be, I'm talking about calculating what you might lose. David's supposed to be on the battlefield, but Brother Stan, he decides, you know what? I'm king, everything's going right. Maybe, just maybe, it was a little bit of what Brother Todd preached on Sunday night. And he sits back and he says, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. You know what happens? He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He gets up at evening tide, walks out on his bed. You can read it all right here in chapter number 11. The Bible said in verse number 2, that he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? If you write in your Bible, I invite you to write this reference beside of that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. For with every temptation, God makes a way of escape. God made a way for David not to mess his life up right there. God gave him a warning right there. But David continues to pursue after Bathsheba, brings her in, sleeps with her. You know the story. After he does that, he makes Uriah drunk. He has Uriah killed, set at the forefront of the hottest battle, brings Bathsheba in, marries her. Because she's with child and covers it all up and thinks, you know what? 
everything's all right. Chapter number 12 rolls around and it's a different story. Come to David and says, David, you are the man. And David says in chapter number 12, verse 13, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. But when you go on to read, how, how be it, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. You also find out that he goes on to tell him that the sword's never going to depart from his house. Look in verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. See, David didn't take a minute to calculate losing his given family. If we're going to finish this thing with no regrets, church, we must take time to calculate what we might lose. We may lose our given family if we continue down the road. David never took time to think about that. Chapter 13 rolls around. Chapter 13 rolls around. David's been forgiven by God, but the chastening hand of God's already fell on David now. Chapter 13, Amnon's got a friend. His name's Jonadab. Amnon's David's son. He's got a fair sister by the name of Tamar. Bible said in verse number 9 of chapter 13, and Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. He said in verse 11, He took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, not my brother. And even verse number 14, Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Now David's son rapes his daughter. Verse number 22. But Absalom, this is David's other son, hated Amnon, which is his brother. Verse 28. And Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mark ye now um, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say unto you, smite Amnon, then kill him. Verse number 29. And the servants of Absalom did unto Amnon, as Absalom had commanded him. Boy, what a sad story in David's life now. Chapter 16, verse 22. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines, the sight of all of Israel, and the council at the can and the council of Ahithophel. It goes on to verse number 23 and talks about that. Here's what I'm saying. David's son rapes his daughter. Then David's son kills his other son, has him killed the same way that David had Uriah killed. Isn't it amazing that Amnon takes, takes Tamar, David takes Bathsheba. Where did David first see Bathsheba at? On the rooftop. Where does Absalom sleep with David's concubines at? On the rooftop. All of David's sin comes flashing back in his face. All because he did not calculate 
what he might lose. Number one tonight, calculate the price of losing your given family before you do what you do. Number two tonight, the book of Numbers, chapter number 20. Numbers, and I know we're, we're turning a lot tonight, but that's okay. Topical preaching's just fine as long as it's biblical preaching. As long as it's in the Bible, it's fine. Calculate the price of losing your great future before you do what you do. Calculate the price of losing your given family, but losing your great future. In the book of Exodus, we're introduced to a man by the name of Moses. You that knows the Word of God knows the story of Moses and what a great man that Moses was. Matter of fact, just the other night, I preached on Moses when he took the tabernacle or the tent outside the camp because there was sin in the camp. And he set that tent up outside the camp and he went in and God spoke to him face to face as friends to friends. Whenever we study the life of Moses, man, God uses Moses in such a mighty way. Moses is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Israel, if you want to look at it that way. He's leading the children of Israel, and it is the man that God has chose to use to lead his people. Moses is being led by God. Moses is being used by God. And on numerous occasions, boy, we can see the manifestation of the power of God through a man by the name of Moses. Moses, Miss Stephanie, when he begins to lead the children of Israel out, they're headed to a place called Canaan. Beautiful place called Canaan. Canaan's land, and, and some preach Canaan's land as a type of heaven, but they're wrong. It's not a type of heaven because in Canaan's land, they was fighting, there was warring, there was battles, there was death, and thank God in heaven, there ain't going to be none of that. Amen. It's a type of a victorious Christian life. Canaan's land is a type of living our Christian life to its fullest and enjoying the Christian life. But Moses makes a dumb decision. Are you with me? Matter of fact, Dad and I has talked about this before, and Dad has said, sometimes I really just don't understand why God didn't let Moses go ahead and go on in. Moses was able to see Canaan. God took him upon a mountain and let him look over Canaan. But Moses never made it to Canaan. There's a lot of people, they'll come to church. Are you hearing me? They'll sit on a, a, a seat or a pew. They'll do a little bit, but they never make it to their fullest potential. Moses here tonight didn't calculate losing his great future. Now Moses is in heaven. I'm not preaching Moses lost and losing your salvation. That's crazy. You understand that. But there is some things that we can miss out on. Look at this with me. In Exodus chapter number 20, not Exodus, Numbers chapter number 20, the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining. They was all Baptists. Because everything was always the preacher's fault. 
It was always Moses' fault. They was constantly murmuring against Moses. When everything was going great, he was the greatest of all. But when everything was going bad, poor Moses. Are you with me? They're murmuring and they're complaining against Moses. The Bible said in verse number 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth uh, to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. They're in the wilderness. They're wanting something to drink. Moses previously smote this rock. I don't have time to deal with all of that. You that knows the Bible knows that. God told, told him to smite the rock. He did that and water came out of that. That is a type or a picture of Jesus being smitten on Calvary. Now, God doesn't tell Moses to smite the rock again. God tells Moses to speak to the rock. Why? Because Jesus was only smitten one time. And because of that, now we have access to God and we can speak to God through that. Are you with me? He tells him to speak to it. He's showing another type in the Old Testament and he tells him to speak to it. Look in verse number 9. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, you rebels. Now y'all think I get rough every once in a while. I've never said you bunch of rebels. <laughs> I probably need to. Because I know the way some of y'all are every once in a while. But he said, Hear now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock. Well, there's something in that verse that jumped out to me studying this week. Moses is already messing up before we ever get to the next verse because he didn't say nothing about God supplying the water from that rock. He said, must we? Must we? Hey, hear me and hear me well. When you think that you can do what God has for you to do on your own and give him no recognition, hey, you're headed in the wrong direction. Moses never said God is going to supply water out of this rock again. He said, you bunch of rebels, he's mad. He said, you bunch of rebels, must we do this for you? Moses can't do it. It takes God to do it. Look what happens in verse number 11. Moses lifted up his hand and with the rod he smote the rock twice. The water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beast also. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given Moses missed out on it right there. Moses missed out on it. Well, Moses could walk in Canaan's land. Moses, Moses could have, he could have finished 
what God set out for him. He never finished what God set out for him to do. You want me to tell you the reason why? He didn't calculate what he might lose. He never calculated losing his great future. The other day, I'm going to give you one more and we're going to go home. The other day, I I, I was talking to, I I don't even remember who it was. I was talking to somebody. And we was not in, in, in a derogatory way talking about the it, it was it was Uncle Scott. That's exactly who it was. Well, he was not in a derogatory way talking about this preacher, and I, I I told him previously the way his church was and the way it was just exploding. This preacher's messed up now on several different occasions, and and I I sit back and I think, what could have been. What, what could have been? What could have been? God's call is without repentance. He's still got a call on his life, but because of his sin, he disqualified himself from the ministry. He disqual- I believe what that book says is the preacher should be the husband of one wife, and that's not one wife at a time. That means one wife. And I thought, my soul, what he could have had. You better calculate what you might lose. You better calculate what you might lose. Well, number one, you better calculate the price of losing your given family. There's nothing worth that. There's nothing worth that. You better calculate the price of losing your great future. Number three, and I'll be done. Calculate the price of losing your grand finish. See, it's appointed unto man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Take your Bible, go into the book of Judges. Book of Judges. And we'll finish out here in the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 13, you know the story I'm headed to, I'm sure. You know your Bible. You know what chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 is in the book of Judges. It's about a man whose name means sunny, but ends up in complete darkness because his eyes is plucked out from his head. It's about a man by the name of Samson in the Word of God. Samson has three or four chapters devoted to him. I've often wondered... If Samson would have stayed right, if he'd have had a whole book, if he'd have had a whole book devoted to him. Samson has brief mention in Hebrews chapter number 11, but I wonder if they hadn't been more said about him if he'd have finished right. If he'd have finished right. Samson, whenever you study his life out and you study his name out, as I said, it means sonny, and whenever you study him out, you'll find out that Samson was one of the very few that was a Nazarite of Nazarites from his birth. Whenever you study it out. There's something very interesting about Samson's life that I want you to see. In chapter 13, verse number 25, the Bible said this in chapter 13, verse 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times 
in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtal. What the Bible said, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him. Note something with me. Chapter number 14, verse number 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. Chapter number 14, verse number 19. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Chapter number 15, verse number 14. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. But as we continue, and I'm not going to take time to read it all, we'll find out that there come a day in Samson's life that the Spirit of God was not moving on him no more. You'll find that in studying in the life of Samson that Samson lives a life of, and you've heard me say it this way many times before, of almost a champion. Almost a champion. Matter of fact, if you go to chapter number 16, the closing of chapter number 16, Samson's eyes is plucked from his head now. Samson is called up by the Philistines. He is a servant to the Philistines. And here's what the Bible said. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtal in the burying place of Manoah, his father. Well, hold on a minute. Chapter 13 said this, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him in times in the camp of Dan between where Zohar, Zorah and Eshtal. And in chapter number 16, at the closing of his life, guess what? He's at the same place. In other words, he never really got any further than he started. He never really got any further than he started. You see, Samson didn't calculate the price of losing a grand finish. Oh, but time out, preacher. The Bible says that Samson was more effective in his death than he was his whole life. He was, but that don't give him a grand finish. That don't make him some hero. Man, he's locked up in bondage to sin. And he prays for God to help him one more time. And God does help him one more time. And he does take the pillars out. And there is a multitude of Philistines killed. But I wonder what else he could have done. His grand finish. His grand finish. You know, he lost his grand finish. He died a martyr. He died a suicidal death because of sin. So, preacher, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying tonight. If we're going to finish with no regrets, we better calculate what we might lose. I read this today. It says, if you allow the principle of sin to control your heart, it will not be long until the practice of sin will be the rule of your life. Until the practice of sin will be the rule of your life. Miss Courtney, do you care to start playing something that's offered? Do we calculate what we might lose? Now, I know we've jumped all throughout the Bible tonight. But I think every once in a while, we need just 
to take a second and look. Here's the way sin affected David. He lost his family. He lost his family, man. No doubt word probably come back to Bathsheba one day what he had done to her husband. And she probably hated his guts. His kids are killing each other and raping each other. And, uh, you know the story. He ends up, Absalom ends up trying to overtake his kingdom. And David runs in fear from that. And David ends up joining himself to the Philistines before it's all said and done. He didn't calculate what he might lose that day. Boy, when we think about Moses, he got a glimpse into what he could have. And if you ever seen that person and you thought, man, they've got the power of God on their life. They're living in the blessings of God. It's amazing what God's doing for them. And in the backside of your mind, you're thinking, man, I sure would like to have that. Well, you better calculate you might lose that. You might lose that if you continue in that path. Oh, Samson, Samson had one problem. Samson had one problem. You want me to tell you what it was? Women. And he never calculated. Boy, the first time, could you imagine the first time the fire of God moved upon Samson? I bet if you'd have asked him then if he'd have ended up dying a suicidal death because of sin, He'd have said, you're crazy. I bet if you'd have asked Moses, Moses, I bet you don't end up making it to Canaan's land. He'd have said, you're a fool, man. I'm going to Canaan. I'll make it to Canaan. I bet if you'd have asked David, David, I bet that day when he was standing out there and that giant's raging and God uses him to destroy that giant. I bet if you'd have said when he was standing up on top of that giant with that giant sword, he took the giant sword, Goliath's sword, and took it and cut his head off and the blood was running down that sword onto David's hands, no doubt. I bet if you'd have said, David, you're going to mess up and your whole family's going to be ruined because of it. David had said, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Let me tell you what happened in all three of their lives. They didn't calculate what they might lose. You know what? They could be areas in the church that you may be used so much more for. But because you're not calculating what you may lose or might be losing, you do what you do. I want to finish with no regrets. I'm going to finish we're all going to finish. We're going to finish with no regrets. To do that, we better calculate what we might lose on a daily basis. Father.